Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. So this is part two in a series about the strategy of your law practice based on the work of Michael Porter. So if you haven't listened to the episode, I would highly recommend pausing this one, going back in the feed and downloading the one two episodes before this one. So it makes a lot more sense. But I am super excited for what we're going to be covering here because it's going to show you how to set yourself up for success and have the margin and the resources to be able to scale your practice to the moon. So I'm going to start out with a clip from a sort of viral video before that was even a thing that uh, some of you might remember. And this is from a bodybuilder named Ronnie Coleman. So if you want to Google who Ronnie Coleman is, you can get an idea of what this guy looks like. And it is pretty obvious that he was okay with lifting the weight. So I'm not going to pivot this into a fitness podcast. And I do think bodybuilding is kind of a silly sport, but this is an absolutely key mindset for success with anything that you do in your life. So uh, like Ronnie Coleman said, it is easy to want something, but actually getting it requires going through discomfort. This sounds like a Captain Obvious point, and it absolutely is, but it's the key reason that you don't see people taking an elevator to the top with their goals, whether it's becoming a world champion bodybuilder or building the law practice of their dreams. Because like we've gone over on previous podcasts, like every other organism on this planet, you are neurologically wired to avoid discomfort. So the default response after you've set a goal is that when you encounter the discomfort, you're going to avoid the discomfort. That's what your brain wants you to do. And sometimes people will do this in different ways. Sometimes people will try to quit outright. Sometimes they're going to create these you know, complex rationalizations that that goal was never something that they wanted in the first place. But sometimes it's deciding that you need to you know, rearrange your shoe collection instead of following up on the client that told you to call them back later that might be in a position to pay you, right? But to contrast, if you know that the discomfort is coming, you know the form it's going to take, and you know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you should be able to push through or at least be in better shape to have a good chance of pushing through, right? And that's exactly what I want to go over on this episode of the podcast, the biggest roadblocks that stop people from pursuing the positioning that will set their firm up with the margin to become the leader in their market. Okay, so as a quick refresher, and this is what we covered on the last podcast, the two models are from the Harvard Business School's Michael Porter that we went over in the last podcast that won't work are the top quality for a fair price model, aka stuck in the middle, that's basically going to kneecap your margin and leave you with either no time, no money, or both. And the price leadership model that is most likely not what you want unless you're aspiring to be the Walmart of your market. So basically what we're left with, according to Michael Porter, is the differentiation strategy, which is a small but important tweak, which is top quality service, which you probably want to do anyways. But changes are also going to be getting a top quality price for that. So Rome wasn't built in a day. And a lot of you, especially people that are currently stuck in the middle or are just starting their careers out, will eventually be able to get there by pushing through the falling roadblocks and laddering your way up. So uh, without further ado, let's get to the major battles. So battle number one is to let go of the field of dreams narrative. Right. So uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous, step one is admitting there is a problem. And in my experience, this is the battle that keeps more ambitious law firm owners solo than any other. And I'll kind of go into a story. So back in the day, I actually used to do BNI for a while. And I met dozens of smart, ambitious attorneys who clearly cared about their business and were looking to grow it. 
and we're trying to scale. But a lot of these guys had been solo for 10, 20 years or more. And the reason why, in my opinion, is that they believed that they could, air quotes, outlawyer their marketing program. So without fail, they were using some version of the great service for a fair price mantra, and they were counting on the referrals to stack out. And they were counting on the referrals to just start piling up when the market found out what a sweet deal they had gotten for hiring them. Now, bear in mind, when I was at BNI, there were close to 60 chapters in Manhattan where I was living at the time. And I made a point of visiting probably one outside chapter uh, than my own every single week. And I'll be darned if I didn't see the same story from almost every attorney that I was at. So let's kind of think about the market dynamics of that for a second. If everyone out there is offering what they think is a great service at a fair price or undervaluing their prices, then no one's going to be able to get the advantage in getting referred. Your great work and all the money that you're taking out of your own pocket with the hope of getting referrals is completely getting out in the wash. Everyone is great. Everyone is over-delivering. Your competition worked hard to get through law school just like you did. And the only thing that's being accomplished with this model is not making margin on your service. It's kind of like a reverse cartel, but everyone's getting paid less. And this is so evident, it's, it's kind of scary sometimes. At the end of the day, the model doesn't work. And that's basically the gist of that last podcast, if you remember it. And I can guarantee that most of the people that I was trading business cards with at BNI right now most of them are still trading business cards today. And again, might've changed. Maybe it's a Zoom meeting right now, but those guys are still probably running on the same hamster wheel. The ones that aren't are the ones that rose above and probably actually started getting the practice they wanted. And these are the ones that accepted that that whole narrative, the field of dreams, build and they will come, do good work and people will refer you is not going to pay out. And it can take you a year or it can take you 10 years to figure this out. But once you accept that there is a problem, you're able to move forward. Which brings us to battle number two, taking charge of your intake and your consultation process. So the second most common challenge that we see when we're working with clients is the kind of conversations that they're having in intake. And I've gone over this on previous podcasts, but most people are trained in law school and working as associates in bigger firms to basically be some version of Encyclopedia Brown in their consults. So the narrative is the prospect shows up, they ask their questions, you know, you the attorney, you'll dutifully answer all the questions that they have to the best of your ability until the prospect is so overwhelmed by how smart an expert you are that they just can't help but open their checkbook. Except you probably know that it almost never happens that way. If you ever heard you know, the phrase, that sounds great, but I need to think about it. The reason why that's happening is because that's the best outcome for the client. And because the client was driving the consultation, that's where you wound up by the end of it. So going back to comfort, it's very comfortable to be accommodating in your consultations. It's comfortable to look at a consultation that didn't go your way and say, well, geez, that wasn't a good prospect in the first place, and then do the exact same thing the next time, right? That's a rationalization, though. That's you avoiding comfort. If you want to build a differentiated practice with margin, that's not a comfort you can allow yourself. So to win the battle of the consultation, you really need to be a leader within the call. And we've done a couple podcasts on frame control and closing the deal, which I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, with specific tactics on how to approach this. But the reality is, is that you start with a pretty big leg up as an attorney discussing the law with somebody who in most instances isn't an attorney who studied the law. But more people are giving the control of the conversation away that have it taken from them. And the biggest reason is because it feels comfortable to do so. So when you have control of the sales conversation, you're able to ask the questions that you want. The most important one by far, in my opinion, is asking for the business at the end of the consultation. You'll never speak to 100% of the people who say, I'll think about it. And a lot of the times those I think about a consultations, people are losing probably 50% of more, right? So just being able to ask for the business is going to be bringing more money into your practice, which brings us to battle number three, which is charging higher prices. 
So outside of getting more revenue in the practice and you know taking charge of the conversation and increasing your closing percentage is actually going to allow you to get more profit in the practice as well, right? So when you're not losing people to the let me think about a conversation, again, that's one example out of many that you can use to increase your closing. But basically, among other things, you're going to be closing more deals. And when you're closing more deals, each deal means less to you. And when that happens, you can be more cavalier about things like the number that you say when they ask, how much is this? So we did a whole podcast on how to charge what you're worth, which I'll link to in the show notes. But the too long didn't read version is you're probably undercharging right now and you will be able to charge more if you ask for more. And if you've gotten through battle number one, you've accepted that the cavalry isn't coming and battle number two, which means you're in the driver's seat, you should be at the point where you can ask, right? That's a simple thing to do, but it's definitely not easy. I always say ultimately the price that you can charge is the highest number that you can say with a straight face. It's like a poker bluff, right? If you need to be confident that your service is important, then you need to believe in that. You need to know that you can deliver. But the biggest lever that we found with our clients is that the more consultations you have coming up that are booked, the more confident you're going to be with the number that you're saying at the end of each individual consultation. If that consultation doesn't close, who cares? You got five at coming in the next couple of days anyways. That's perfect. So if your pipeline is healthy, because that's what it should be when you're fighting the intake battle, it's going to make the pricing battle easier. And then once you win the pricing battle, you'll have margin to fight the next one, which is the scaling battle. Okay, so battle number three, you have to accept lower margin when you're wanting to level up. So now this is a lesson that I've learned at KSUL over the last couple of years, because we've grown our team to, you know, from a couple of people to just over a dozen as of uh, the time of this recording. But the reality is that growing costs money. If you're able right now to do everything from your billable hours all the way down to turning the lights off and taking the trash out at the end of the day, you're able to keep 100% of the profit that's in your business. But if you're choosing to stay solo, that's totally okay. But if you have the ambitions of growing larger than that and eventually having a practice that runs without you for lifestyle reasons or something you can eventually sell, then you need to let go of keeping every penny that comes in the door. So without going into gory specific detail, uh, you know, larger companies, you know, kind of people that you see in Fortune 500, that kind of thing, have lower margins because they require more infrastructure, right? So uh, easy example, if you want to hire somebody to take your calls instead of dropping everything like a fire drill every single time the phone rings, that's infrastructure. And better yet, that's actually great infrastructure to invest in off the jump because that's infrastructure that could potentially be what's called a profit center. Because if it's getting more consultations on your calendar for you to sign as clients, or you're able to do more and better work because you're not answering the phone all the time, then that's a good investment in your time. That's that's infrastructure that's going to bring more money into the business. But the tough truth to accept is that you have to put the money down before you get the results. You might have a front desk person that's going to be filing their nails for three hours a day before your marketing takes off. But if you don't pay for that person in the first place, you're not going to be ready for when it does. And this is obviously a pretty dumb and simple example, but there's a lot of implications to this, right? As you continue to scale, you might need to bring on partners. You might need to bring on associates. And so the two things you have to pay attention to are capacity and the ability to fill it with effective intake and marketing. And they're constantly trading off, right? You need to invest in the marketing to fill the capacity. Then you have to increase your capacity so they have space for the marketing. And every move is going to make the pie bigger, but it's also going to make the margin a bit smaller. 
And that's totally okay. It's okay to stop at any level and say that you're big enough. Not everyone needs to have a $10 billion company, right? The only thing that's not okay is expecting a bigger law practice without investing more. And I shouldn't say it's not okay, but it's certainly not a reasonable way to live your life. And you're probably gonna be pretty disappointed if you believe that. But as long as you're leveling up your revenue, the phrase that we've started to use internally is kind of like that old phrase, you need to dress for the job you want, not the one you have. And our corollary on that is you need to invest for the business that you want, not the business that you currently have. That means the body count. That means the quality of the people you're hiring. That means the amount of money that you're investing in marketing to make sure that those guys aren't hanging around the water cooler all day. The lowest margin months that you're going to have are when you've made the investment to plant the seeds in capacity, plant the seeds in in marketing for the next level of your business, but those seeds haven't bloomed yet. And this is our old friend discomfort again. If you can accept this as part of the growing process, you're not gonna look at your books and freak out like the sky is falling. The percentage is gonna go down, sometimes really, really dramatically when you're in the phase of leveling up, but overall the pie is gonna be getting much, much bigger every time you have to have faith in that. So the last battle, battle number four, It's going to be more work from you before it's less work. So the last one I want to prepare you guys for is the battle of late nights. Now, I'm definitely not a fan of Gary Vee or this whole, you know, cult of hustle, hustle mentality stuff. I think everyone has a limit to the amount of productive work that they can put out in a day, put out in a week, put out in a year, right? I think indefinite hustle mode is a recipe for burnout and bad experiences for you, bad experiences for your clients, your staff, and and your family, just bad all around, right? But... I also will say that there is a time for hustle mode in bursts. I think the hustle marathon will kill people, but the hustle sprints are part of the game. And if work-life balance is an important thing for you that you've achieved, the last battle is being comfortable with stepping back on a lifestyle perspective so that you can ultimately step forward, right? So let's go through a quick example. A lot of things that you'll see throughout there is, is a lot of gurus talk about stuff like 10xing your business, right? So let's just, you know, for the hypothetical, imagine that you take the signed clients, the billable hours that you did last month, and you just added a zero to the end of it. The signed contracts are on your desk. They're ready to go. And so we know from studies like the Clio trend reports that not basically no one's spending 100% of their time on billable hours. But even if you were able to do that, you need to hire help to take care of the stuff that you're doing right now that isn't billable hours, right? And even if you're working overtime, you probably won't be able to hit 10 extra billable hours from last month without hiring other attorneys to help you. But here's the problem. They're not going to be at capacity to do something at 100% of your capacity on day one, probably not even on month one. So in order to get that capacity up, you have to invest capacity that you don't already have. And, um, you know, again, this is one of those classic uh, ridiculous case fuel examples. But if it sounds ridiculous, that's because it is, Right. You're never going to, you know, 10 extra business overnight. And, you know, maybe if you try for it, it probably isn't something that you'd want to as a result of this exercise. But the point I'm trying to make is that you need to invest your personal bandwidth in able to create personal bandwidth. It doesn't have to be 10 extra capacity. Sometimes an extra 20% can cause the same strain on your business, but the principle remains. And the reason I want to bring this up is that in the short term, this looks like a pretty raw deal, right? You might be thinking, okay, so you're telling me I need to take money off the table and work late nights to get this going. And if you have a narrow view of it, that absolutely does suck. But if you know it's a battle you have to fight and you keep the big picture in mind, you can get through. So I'm going to link this to the show notes as well, but I would definitely recommend checking out a podcast that we recorded with one Todd Villarubia. I'll link to it in the show notes, but basically that's kind of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow from people that are lifestyle concerns, right? So he runs a seven-figure practice 
uh, seven figure estate planning practice in New Orleans, and he does it on less than five hours of his personal time investment every single month, right? And that's fantastic. So I, I can pretty much guarantee that he's worked a lot to get there, but this is, that's kind of the outcome that, that he's gotten to. On the flip side, I've also spoken with attorneys that are working five hours a month, but it's because they're collecting unemployment from you know COVID programs for their state, right? The difference is that people like Todd had to push through the discomfort of bringing people up, investing and growing the business to get to the point where he could have the money and the lifestyle, right? So ultimately, you have to be willing to step backwards in order to step forward. If you don't make that time for yourself, you're going to be handicapping your growth. All right. So uh, that will wrap it up for the major battles that you have to fight if you want to build a law practice at this position to lead your market. These might be steps you're going to be taking in a year, or it might be steps you're taking over 10 years to get through, right? But if you know that these challenges are coming and you can keep the big picture in mind, you can get through them. So if you like this episode, make sure to share this with a friend who might be stuck in the middle or might be charging not enough. The more practices that we can help, the more people that we can provide access to justice. And in the end, that's what we are all about. So thanks for listening. And I'll be on with you again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 